Want to get the edge in your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle delved deeper into the data behind all of the Premier League matches every single game week. We combine Pinnacle's sharp betting markets with the game's latest analytical metrics to help you find value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. Welcome to EPL Insights for Game Week 5 in the Premier League. Gareth Wheeler, Jake Osgathorpe with you. The good news? New microphone this week. My old microphone conked out, but that was just about the only thing that went wrong for me last week. I don't mean to brag, but I had an all-timer last week, and I hope you tailed me. If there's any week to tail me and not Jake, it was Game Week 6. How was your week, Jake? How are you doing, pal? Good. Yeah, good, thanks. Um, Weird week this week, isn't it, with the midweek Carabao Cup action, trying to figure out how that's going to affect things, prices, lines, team news, etc. for the weekend. Uh, Obviously, this next next week that we're talking about in Prem, game week seven, is actually sandwiched between Carabao Cup and European football matches. So, yeah, some weird stuff going on, like Luton, for example, played um, Exeter on Tuesday, away from home in the Carabao Cup. They got beat 1-0, which is not great, given that they barely won all no. season. Um, but they play Everton at the weekend and they play Burnley next midweek. So, yeah, those kind of things we read between the lines. Maybe there's not very little motivation there from Luton in the Carabao Cup, focusing on those two potential relegation six-pointers. Um, and it could potentially also be the case with a couple of teams playing on Wednesday. We're obviously recording this on Wednesday, so we don't know the team news. We don't know who's won um, heading into the weekend. but. Definitely something to bear in mind. Uh, It's a busy time. Uh, There's going to be lots of detail like that on this week's podcast, and a lot of perspective is going to be needed. Whereas last week, I really liked the board. I I thought that things kind of looked relatively straightforward. This week, not very much the case. Uh, Do you want to go drum roll, please? Do you want to announce to the listener about the week that your buddy Gareth Wheeler had in game week six. Yeah, I'll do you the honor because um, no one likes <laughs> to be, you know, a real bragger. Um, I'm not, yeah, yeah, like I, you I said, he was, a, he was an absolute all-timer. Um, he made profit in every single game. He had a bet. The only the only game that wasn't a full win was Luton against Wolves. He had Luton a quarter on, uh, plus a quarter on the handicap. Um, obviously, got a half win there. But the rest of it was pretty sensational, really. Um, you know, big stakes on a couple of uh, big prices. Man United win to nil was probably your best play, best win. Um, huge price there. One and a half units, so a big return. So yeah, kudos. Well done. You're well in profit for the season now. You, about 11 units in profit through six wow. game weeks, which is really impressive. Um, and yeah, I had, I had, just to, like, I was messaging, um, I was watching the Saturday slate and watching all the results come in. I'm going, right, well, Gareth's, Gareth's had that one. Gareth's had that one. Gareth's had that one. And then all of mine were like, well, that's lost. That's lost. That's lost. I was just begging for Sunday to bail me out. And thankfully it did. Sunday was, was very kind to me, kind of brought me back to some sort of parity. I was looking at a potential disaster. So yeah, it could have been worse for me, but it couldn't have been any better for you. Uh, you're right. It wasn't just the bigger bets that I made on a couple plays this week. On Pinnacle, I recommend if you have a lean on one of these teams as well as a potential team total, like Manchester United win to nil. Um, that was a big play for me. And the combination of Brighton, both teams to score and win, 
They did that against Brentford. Same thing with Liverpool. Both teams to score and win. Uh, those were three big plays for me last week. Aston Villa, you and I were both on. We both loved that play against Chelsea. Uh, they covered as well. My own, The only downside... That Luton Town half win for me, if I'm actually really going to get greedy here, they were up a man for like an hour and and they ended up drawing 1-1. They had plenty of chances in that game, so I could have gone a perfect 9 for 9, but I'll take the half win there and profit in every game. And just the cherry That's what on you get for backing Luton. <laughs> I'm at home. I, it was the right side as well, but Luton on the handicap there. And, and the cherry on top, after you smashed me head-to-head in two games the previous week, <laughs> Wheeler came back with a big one, Fulham, in an absolute snooze fest. Uh, managed to come away with the draw, and you were on the side of the, uh, was it the Brentford win in that game? So, uh, yeah, or not the Brentford win, uh, the uh, Crystal Palace win, I should say. Palace, yeah. Uh, in that game. But th- this is the ebbs and flows. This is why you can never be uh, too high or too low when it comes to sports betting the the week prior i had one correct bet the entire week i had an all-time worst week for me and then i respond this way so don't get too high don't get too low don't get too greedy don't overextend yourself uh, keep it within the margins and things like this could happen there's going to be weeks that you really like um, and there's going to be weeks that not so much and just show a little bit of restraint. I'm going to try to show a little bit of restraint this week as we head into a week where I think it's a little bit more unpredictable. I'm not sure what how you feel about looking ahead at this week's games, Jake. And you mentioned the context of going in and playing European football next week. You have uh, Carabao Cup this week. Um, do you like the board at first glance this week or are you kind of approaching it with a little bit of caution? Um. Yes, caution as well. I had I had four four games that I was dead cert on a on a play straight off the bat. Uh, I saw the saw the lines and I thought value straight away. Um, there was three just from a matchup perspective. I looked at and just said no bet basically um, off straight off the bat. And then I've got I've got three that I've got question marks next to. So I've got selections in mind. Just want to check on the price while we're recording to make sure there's not really any weird line movements and talk it through with my buddy Gareth. Awesome. So let's get straight to it. It's first our feature five, then we'll go rapid fire for the remainder of the games. We will not touch a Luton Town Burnley, the game that's going to be made up on Tuesday at Kenilworth Road. We'll leave that one alone from there. Too much variable, even though Luton Town and Burnley both played on Tuesday in the Carabao Cup. And we do have some details on that as well. Like we always do, we'll share our favorite bets of the week and we'll go ahead with our weekly plays so let's get after it and let's start off with a really good one to start the weekend it's a 12 30 game on saturday it's sixth place aston villa taking on third place brighton villa coming off that one nil victory over chelsea ollie Watkins just his first goal of the season perhaps this gets him going but goal scoring hasn't been a problem and villa were able to take care of 10 men chelsea in that game uh, it was their first game going under the total of two and a half all season they're eight of nine overall on the campaign uh, they played at home this week. It's a good thing. They have two wins from two at home. Seven goals for one conceded. They do play Everton on Wednesday in the Carabao Cup. And it's their first of three straight games to be played at Villa Park. As for Brighton, as per usual, 
third place in the table. They scored three goals again, and they did concede again, but they beat Bournemouth 3-1 in that game. Matoma had the second half brace. 18 goals in just six Premier League games thus far. It's just remarkable. 5-0-1 on the season. They've gone over two and a half in seven of seven. Their XG is only behind Liverpool and Man City, according to Understat. No clean sheets on the season. Milner and Gross are out. They are two wins away from home, seven goals for, scored, and two conceded. Very similar to the Villa home record. Uh, they're at Chelsea on Wednesday in the Carabao Cup. It's a very difficult stretch upcoming. So they're at Chelsea midweek, at Villa, obviously, in the weekend, at Marseille in the in the... In, in the Europa League. Gattuso, by the way, looks like he's their new manager. Liverpool at home, City away, Ajax at home. Very difficult stretch up coming from Brighton. Head to head last season, Villa won 2-1 both home and away. Villa haven't lost to Brighton their last six. Villa, no clean sheets in three, and Brighton, no clean sheets in their last five. Uh, what do you make of this game? Uh, it should be a really good one. Both these teams can certainly score goals. Is that the angle? Is that the preferred play here in terms of the total rather than the results? Definitely, yeah. Um, the goal total's always got to be uh, front and centre when we're talking about Brighton because they show just no sign of slowing down, really. Um, you know, they're, they're hitting ridiculous goal lines at the minute every single week. Um over three and a half has landed, so the goal line currently is three and a quarter, but they've hit over three and a half in all of the Prem games. And he, every Prem game seen both teams to score as well. Kind of shows the the haphazard nature of Brighton. Create loads of chances, but also look potentially vulnerable um, at the back as well. And just try and outscore teams. It's a really refreshing approach, really, com- compared to, you know, potentially other teams at the wrong end of the table who basically just try and keep things tight and nick a goal. Brighton just turn every game into a shootout. And that's basically why they perform so well against the better teams as well. So you mentioned that tough running, that tough upcoming schedule. I don't think Brighton will see that as tough at all. I think they prefer to play against the, the likes of Liverpool and Man City than the likes of uh, Everton and you know Luton, who will just sit deep and try and counter-attack. And West Ham obviously did a number on them a couple of weeks ago. Um, at least they know they can go into the game against Man City and Liverpool and they're going to get the space, they're going to get the time on the ball, you know, City aren't going to sit on their own 18-yard box and try and counter-attack. So it does play in stands. It's why they've got such a good record against those teams. So the last 23 games against um, the big six in Newcastle, they've won 13 times, which is a ridiculous strike rate. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that they'll be relishing the upcoming schedule. Obviously, there's an international break in between. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they went to Villa and, and got another good win because the way in which they're playing, it's really difficult to see how any team in the league is going to stop them from scoring goals, averaging nearly 2.4 expected goals for per game. But as I said before, that that defensive process is high as well at 1.8 expected goals against per game. It's the same as Villa's. Villa are at 1.8 expected goals against per game this season. Granted, that is boosted by two away hammerings at Newcastle and Liverpool, but that's the Brighton of the cal- same calibre of team as those two. So if they play in the same manner, then Brighton could have as much joy. Um, and yeah, like you said, the only game uh, that's been a very you know op- opposite from a goal standpoint for Villa was last time against Chelsea. And I do think that's more to do with Chelsea than uh, approach than, than Villa. I think Villa are happy for these games to be quite high scoring. Um, and yeah, I just don't see how this is going to be low scoring at all. Um, I'm glad it's on telly. We actually get to watch a good football match. Uh, over here in the UK on, at 12.30, which is nice. 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to take over three and a quarter. I'm going to take the goal line. It's it's minus one oh seven. I think the price is um, is too big, uh, and I'm going to go one and a half units on it. Well done. Uh, same play for me, but just one unit on the total. I I was tempted because you can go to the individual team totals as well. Villa over one and a half at minus one fourteen. Brighton over one and a half at minus one oh seven. Just those are other options. If you favor one side over the other in this game. And if I was to pick a side, I've actually locked in another bet. I have two bets on this game, one on the total and also a full unit play on Brighton draw no bet. And I locked it in at plus 102. Right now it's at plus 101 on Pinnacle because I think that Brighton's a better side here. I think they're better than Aston Villa. I don't think that this is an anomaly where they are on the table. Um, I kind of had this strong Brighton lean to finish top four at the beginning of the season. And there's nothing that's changed my mind. There, there's depth. They have the manager. They're brave. Um, they can rotate. They can play different ways. Um, so I like the draw no bet. It could very well end at a 2-2 or something or a 3-3 as outrageous that would be. But I think that, that Brighton's a better side here. And right around even money, that's for a draw no bet with the security of that. I'm willing to go there. So two bets in this game. The total over 3.25 at minus 107 and the draw no bet at plus 102. Do you think Brighton are the better side? Do you think they're better than Aston Villa? Like I rate Aston Villa as well. It's just, I'm just every week I see Brighton play and um, it's not, it's not about being convinced. It kind of backs up my conviction, Jake. Uh, yeah, they are the better side quite simply. Um, they're much better. I think they've got more depth. Um, I'll probably, if you put the players side by side, you'd probably take more of Villa's individual players than Brighton's, but Brighton as a collective um, are brilliant. And what makes them even better is that the drop-off between the starting 11 and the players on the bench is very minimal, actually, in terms of quality. So if they are missing players, like you mentioned there, Pascal Gross isn't playing, it won't make one bit of difference to Brighton because they've got a player that's equally as good. Maybe all right, maybe not quite as equally, but not far behind to, to kind of come slot into the same job. And it's the same across the front line as well. You know, you've, you've seen last week against Bournemouth, Solly March didn't even get a kick of the game. And Dingra played. Uh, Mitoma came off the bench. You didn't even start. You've got João Pedro and Ferguson, um, you know, Welbeck, Fatty. Like the, the, they are, they've got really good options that are all of a similar calibre, which means that rotation is really easy, which is why I think they'll obviously do well balancing both, uh, maybe all competitions this season. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think that this is, it's a, it's a nicely positioned game in the schedule, this, because both teams play on Wednesday night in the Carabao. Both teams play on Thursday as well in yeah. the Europa. And both, well, Villa of the Conference League. But both teams lost their first games in the in the respective European competitions. So both need a result in that game as well. Um, but obviously, they're looking at the league table. There's not that many points separating them at this stage. And both will feel like they you know, have to win this game, really, against a potential European rival. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a fascinating contest. I'd be shocked if it's if, if there's very few goals in this and if it kind of reverts to a, a tight, cagey game. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I don't blame you one bit for going with Brighton. Um, the only caveat is that Villa did beat them last season at Villa Park and they yep. did beat them at the Amex as well. Maybe Emery's got his yep. number. But but at the same time, I, I just think that Brighton are, are improved from the way that they finished last season as well. So we'll see. I mean, this is a great, it should be a great game just 
as a viewer, even as a neutral. But if you're into the markets on Pinnacle, depending on what side you fall on, there could be some serious value here. You can find value in this game. Plus 151 uh, for a Villa win, plus 292 for a draw, plus 167. Uh, for an away win with Brighton. So uh, it's tantalizing from a number of different perspectives. Uh, That's, you know, that's kind of our thoughts on the game, but you might look at it in a different way and you can find the market that suits your liking for this game. It's going to be a cracking way to start off the weekends. Let's move it forward. Manchester United against Crystal Palace again. These two sides played in the Carabao Cup on Tuesday. It's a 3 p.m. Saturday fixture back-to-back, and it might be back-to-back trouble for Crystal Palace. They got smashed 3-0 in the Carabao Cup on Tuesday. Bruno Fernandes, Marcus Rashford, neither player saw the field in that game as well. Casemiro all of a sudden for ninth place Manchester United. He's their top goal scorer. Casemiro has four goals and eight. Garnacho and Martial scored as well. Mason Mount returned. Amrabat made his debut, started at left back, moved into central midfield. So United start getting some players back. Varane's back in the team now. Um, and things seemingly have calmed down at Old Trafford, at least for the time being. On the weekend, they played to a difficult 1-0 away win at Burnley. It was a spectacular goal by Bruno Fernandes in that game, but not a vintage United performance. It was pragmatic. That clean sheet was just much needed. United played to over two and a half and five of six. Both teams to score in four of six. A difficult stretch for United as well. Well, in terms of the buildup of games, but the quality of opponents drops off. A lot of the panic around United came from losing these games, but they lost at Spurs, at Arsenal, to Brighton, at Bayern Munich. These are really good teams, but this upcoming stretch, not so much. Galatasaray at home, Brentford at home, Sheffield United away, Copenhagen home. Before, they played Manchester City at home at the end of the month. So this is a gettable schedule upcoming for Manchester United. Reguilón Martinez are doubts for this weekend, but like I said, oh, I should mention Harry Maguire back available as well. For Palace, again, same story. They lost 3-0. Aze didn't start. Anderson, Ward, Gooey, none of them started, um, but the depth of Crystal Palace simply isn't there. Uh, played to a nil-nil snooze fest against Fulham last weekend. Both teams have scored in four in a row before that game, but now haven't scored in back-to-back games in all competitions. Crystal Palace are bottom five in both expected goals as well as expected goals against in the Premier League, according to Understat. Elise, Edward, and Lorma are big misses for Roy Hodgson in this Palace side. Head-to-head United haven't lost to Palace in four, uh, though... This was their first clean sheet against Crystal Palace in their last five games. Palace haven't had a clean sheet in their last four. Palace did win at Old Trafford when Wreck-It Ralph was in charge in May of 2022. So it's an odd one. United have had this a couple times in recent seasons where they play the same team back-to-back in different competitions. So how do you handicap this game when you're looking at the markets? You know, the fact that there's similarity – and they just faced one another four or five days before. Um, I massive struggle with this game. Um, it's hard to gauge because you, both teams made loads of changes in midweek, and we know that Manchester United's depth is better than Palace's. Um, you know they've got much more quality, much more options. Hodgson was even talking after the game last week that he's basically got no um, no bench at the moment from an attacking standpoint, anyway, because all of the 
attacking players are out injured. So you saw that <laughs> they were very toothless in midweek. But we know that the starting eleven is going to be better at the weekend. I think Anderson and Gray here are, are crucial at centre half. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to make a massive difference. Obviously, flip side, you've got Rashford and Hoyland coming back in. Um, does he, does, does Den Haag stick with some of the players that impressed the other night? You know, Mount looked pretty good. Um, Hannibal Mejbury looked good again. Uh, Garnacho looked really sharp. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, it's one of those weird scenarios where they looked so good and so fluid in midweek that, you know, you kind of think, feel like some deserve a chance at the weekend as well, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think, like, I think it's going to take a couple of games, but, um, yeah, it, I, I went back and forth. I was looking at United maybe on the handicap at plus one and five, maybe United win to nil, but then you've got the likes of Eze coming back into the get into things and, um, you know, a few more attacking players that didn't start the week uh, in midweek for Palace and just defensive issues continue to be a problem. Um, so yeah, I, I was I was potentially looking at, at leaning towards an anti-goals angle, whether that be both teams to score no or a United win to nil. But I've got it down as a no bet for now, unless you've got something that really pushes me over the edge. <laughs> United win games like this under Eric Ten Hag. They, they, they just do and generally come away with a clean sheet. I actually kept my hot streak going in the Carabao Cup on Tuesday, betting on Pinnacle, Manchester United win to nil at plus 188. That one cashed as well. Why mess around with a good thing here? I think that Palace rarely threatened in that game. I think United are going to be even stronger. Um, they were toying with Crystal Palace, weren't they, midweek? And I can't see the players that they bring in being able to change things that much. Aze is a wonderful player, perhaps him playing for 90 minutes, but if there's a double pivot or two central midfielders that are Amrabat and Casemiro, well, good luck with that because they're just like two players that was so much savvy just connecting immediately. And I think that's a relationship that can absolutely blossom. So I'm getting a little bit less juice, but I'm going to make a full bet, a full one unit play on both teams to score. No combined with a Manchester, Manchester United win at plus 180. Um, this has to be the way forward. Clean sheets for Manchester United playing at home at Old Trafford. They've only lost twice over the last two seasons and both times were to Brighton. A game like this against Crystal Palace suits them to the ground. So that's my play, a full unit. I'm not sure if I said anything that would convince you, but um, you kind of alluded to it as well. Kind of the unders, maybe a little bit more low scoring. I don't, I, I'm a little bit nervous about going flat out with the unders because I think that Rashford and Bruno coming in, Hoyland coming in. I think still United can score some goals against this Palace side. I know that they're going to be improved at centre back, but by that much, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Palace have no depth. I like United to win with a clean sheet in this one. Yeah, you make a good case, and obviously this was a um, yeah, it's something they did quite regularly at home last season. United. It's just I don't know. I probably would personally. I probably to pull the trigger on that a bit. I probably would have to wait until I've seen the team news. To see what 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 lineup United go with, if they go with an Amrabat Casemiro double pivot, then I would be all over the winter nil. But obviously the price would be a little bit shorter. Um, but you know, is is Amrabat going to be fit enough to be able to play two week two games in a week? Um, you know, we have to wait and see. There's every chance that he plays, you know, McTominay alongside Casemiro, and I don't trust that as much in terms of a double pivot. Um, 
so yeah, I, I'm I'm going to leave you alone on that one. I'm going to go. I'm going to stick That's to fine. my no bet. Um, I'll be very happy if you do get a winner again with United win to nil. But um, yeah, I've just got a few a few nagging doubts that that I, I think I don't know. Looking at Roy Hodgson's team selection in midweek, it seems like he had one eye on this game as opposed to the cup game. Perhaps, or maybe it's just keeping your fingers crossed and hoping to, to limit the damage. I, I, the funny thing is, McTominay was ill again, and, and so was Ericsson. I don't think either of them see the field anymore that Amrabat's come in, Mount is back, Hannibal has been a better fit than both those players, to be honest. They need legs in the midfield. All of a sudden, it looks like they have a lot more in that area. That was their biggest weakness at the beginning of the season. A Casemiro, Ericsson, and Bruno midfield, no legs there. And, and now it looks like they have plenty. So perhaps United uh, have sorted things out to a certain degree for the time being and put things in the right direction. Let's move it forward. It's a busy slate, Saturday, 3 p.m., uh, including Newcastle, who are eighth, taking on 19th place Burnley. Newcastle 8-0 over Sheffield United last time out. Eight different goal scorers in that game. That's incredible. I believe that Liverpool, their 9-0 over Bournemouth, uh, last season had eight different goal scores, but I mean, there was nine in total, eight goals and eight different goal scores. It's remarkable. A 5.11 expected goals over the course of that game tells the story. And that's by far the biggest number, according to Understat in terms of XG on the week. Newcastle have gone from three losses in a row to now being unbeaten in their last three. Three clean sheets in a row as well. Unfortunately, they've lost Harvey Barnes. He's out long-term. And Willick and Joe Linton will be out for this game as well. They do play Manchester City on Wednesday at home in the Carabao Cup. And it's also a look-ahead spot as they play PSG at home next Wednesday as well in the Champions League. Simply put, a massive fixture. And this game is sandwiched right in the middle of the two. For Burnley, they lost 1-0 at home to Manchester United, but they played really well. They edged the XG in that game. According to Understat, they had more shots, more possession. Went off the post a couple times as well. This is their only, their second away league match of the season because they had that makeup game upcoming against Luton Town on Tuesday. Uh, Burnley thrashed Salford, uh, Salford uh, on Tuesday in the Carabao Cup. 4-0 was the final, but they haven't won in three in the Premier League and no clean sheet in their last three as well. Head-to-head, Newcastle beat them twice, only by a goal two seasons ago, and Newcastle are undefeated against Burnley in their last six. So uh, what do you make of Newcastle coming off an eight goal winning performance, playing city in the Carabao cup, then playing home at Burnley on the weekend. Uh, obviously the line heavily favors Newcastle at current standing. Is there a number here that you can back according to the markets on pinnacle? Yeah, I'm going I'm to take a small flyer on Newcastle to cover the spread. Um, uh, minus one and a half is is the handicap at the moment. We're getting minus one twelve. Um, yeah, I, I think this is this is a really strange looking handicap. I'd have it at maybe half a goal higher, just purely because Newcastle's dominance at home um, and the fact that Burnley so far have looked completely out of the depth when playing against good teams, and all those games have come at Turf Moor. This is the first away game against a really good team. Um, I fully expect Eddie Howe to rotate in midweek. I think we'll see a very much a, a big turnaround in terms of players on Wednesday night. I think the you know the fullbacks Livermento will play, Lewis Hall will play to give Trippier and Dan Burn a rest. A couple of centre halves will come in. Um, you know we might see a rotation in the forward line as well. Murphy will probably come in. 
I think that Newcastle have got a squad to deal with this kind of fixture congestion. I know they've got a couple of injuries which are a bit concerning, the likes of Joe Linton, Willock and Barnes, but either way, I still think they've got more than enough to be able to do a good job on Burnley. And, and let's be honest, that Newcastle have lost just three of the last 26 home games across all competitions. The only teams that have beaten them are Liverpool twice and Arsenal. And obviously Burnley are nowhere near that level. Uh, last season, their underlying process at home was second only to Manchester City in, in terms of the Premier League. They're on a massive high after the win last week. They were utterly dominant against a team that um, you know came up from the Championship with Burnley. I'm not saying Burnley are as bad as Sheffield United, but you know what we're seeing at the moment, the fact that the three promoted teams currently prop up the table um, have barely scored a goal between them is a huge cause for concern. And I think that more importantly for me than... PSG uh, for Newcastle is that Burnley play Luton in midweek. I think that's a really, really big thing that we have to try and get across or that, that, that sway me to this bet as well is because I just think that Burnley will have one eye on that game. That's a much bigger game. That's basically their second opportunity this season to realistically get three points. The first was Nottingham Forest, they drew. The second is Luton. Um, all of their other matches, they were not expected to get anything from. Not by me anyway. I mean, I think I've backed against them in all the matches. Man City, Villa, Tottenham and Man United so far. Um, so I think that they're, they're going to have one eye on that Luton match. And, you know, I just don't think they've got the quality to hang with Newcastle. And and yes, Newcastle will have one eye on the PSG game, but they also know that they look like they're clicking into a bit of form now. They had a really tough start themselves on the schedule, um, didn't they? Playing Manchester City, Liverpool, Brighton, back to back to back, which are probably the three best teams in the league at this current moment in time. Um, and they've come out of it with two wins, two clean sheets. Um, and yeah, I think they're well-placed to, to really, maybe not win 8-0 again, but to at least win 2-0 to cover my bet. Woo-hoo-hoo. Um, head to head, head to head. <laughs> no, you're not doing I'm that. Backing, I'm backing Burnley on the handicap here. It's, this is a really Whoa. tough spot. This is a really tough spot for Newcastle. It's all about the context of this game. Playing City with one last day to prepare, City Wednesday, and then PSG the following Wednesday with a Saturday game, right smack in between. I I, I appreciate all these games are going to be at home, but there's different elements to prepare for. And look, Burnley, with all due respect, Burnley isn't Luton Town. Burnley isn't Sheffield United. I don't think Burnley are that bad of a team. I think that you're right. Against good teams, they struggled. They gave United everything they could handle. I know they played at home last week, but I think they're starting to come together and play a little bit of football the way that Vincent Company wants them to play. I think they're going to be right up for this. I think it's it's a good kind of game to lead into. Um Luton Town, it's not about prioritizing one or the other. I think it's about coming away with a good performance here. And I think that they can keep this one relatively close. Newcastle might go on a, and win it, but a goal might be enough in this game. And with PSG and City around, like I, I think it's a good spot for Burnley to be going to St. James's Park. I can't think of a better time for them to actually go there um, and, and keep things close. So a goal and a half at plus 101. Uh, I've locked in that play, a full unit play on Burnley. Come on, Burnley. And come on head to head. If you want to make it official, Jake, that's your call. That's up to you. Absolutely make it official. I can't believe you're taking a newly promoted team against the fourth best team in the league last season. I don't think they're the fourth best team in the league this season. Let's put it that way. I don't think they're anywhere Give close them a bit to of the time. Yeah, perhaps, but 
Again, City, PSG, like these are massive games for the club. These are the games that they City want to in the be cup, playing. Right? Still, it's I know we're it's recording this on Wednesday. You don't think but, the cup that matters the, to a club like Newcastle? It should matter. They and well, they got I, to the final last year. Yeah, I, I exactly. Um, but, but the point is that they're playing. Well, they'll be playing a very undermanned Manchester City team on Wednesday because of injuries, because of suspensions. And I did a bit of digging to this, and I know this is all going to be irrelevant when the listeners get involved, but. If Man City gets to the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup, they're going to have the same problem as Liverpool did a few years ago because it clashes with the Club World Cup. So what's the point? Why play third round, fourth round for first teamers to play the youth team in the quarterfinal? What's the point? Just get out of it early. Give Newcastle a walkover win. Get let them rest the place for Burnley, and then you know, I, like the, the, it, it really caught Liverpool out that because they had to play their under 18s at Villa. And City are going to be in the exact same scenario. So it's, why put an extra two games worth of leg, uh, two extra games into the legs of the players I, I when you've already got a thin squad? I just cannot, I cannot even fathom those words coming out of Pep's mouth. Let's just lose this game. It's just not. It's just not the no, way he obviously works. Obviously not, not. But I think I, I think it's going to be a, a weaker Man City team than what people will be expecting. Well, it, it's going to be the Calvin Phillips breakout party on Wednesday. It's going to be hilarious listening back to this <laughs> after the game. But we'll see. It will be funny. Yeah? <laughs> uh, but knowing, knowing Pep, he's, Pep's probably got enough sway to move the Carabao quarterfinal to another another week, so he can play. Perhaps. It. Perhaps. All right. Unfortunately. I, I like that. I know I'm going against the grain in this. The public will be backing Newcastle United heavily. I, I just think it's a good spot for Burnley. And I, 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 it's, it's fine for me. Lose by a goal, it's a win for me. And it's a win in the head-to-head. Yeah. Just as importantly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I like my chances, I'll be honest. Okay. I, I like my chances as well. Uh, <laughs> let's move things forward to the 5.30 p.m. fixture on Saturday. You like goals? I'm hoping for them in this one. It's fourth place Spurs taking on second place Liverpool. Spurs, a 2-2 result in the North London Derby. A brace by Son. Penalties, handballs. Big Ange is right. No one knows what a handball is today. And Spurs, you know, you can make the argument they deserve more from that game. They'll take the points. Still a good result and a really good performance by Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, a 4-2-0 start to the Premier League season. They haven't lost in three overall. And that game was to Fulham in penalties in the Carabao Cup. No clean sheet in four for Spurs. Both teams of scores played in five of seven. And they've been the first to concede, interestingly, in four of five. Two wins from two at home for Spurs. Brendan Johnson is out. Sounds like he has a hamstring. Uh, this is the biggest test of the season yet, but they don't have any cup games this week. No Carabao Cup games, no European football next week, making this the sole focus for Spurs this game, home match against Liverpool. As for Liverpool, they're simply on fire. 22 shots in a 3-1 home win over West Ham last week. They just don't lose at Anfield. We warned you if you were thinking about making a play the other way. Another week with a big expected goals, according to Understat, 4.14 in that game. Their expected goals, 15.11 on the season. It's best in the Premier League. Five goals conceded, and this is the big thing for Liverpool this season. That is second best in the Premier League. They play Leicester City at home in the Carabao Cup. On Wednesday, they remain at Anfield next week in the Europa League as well. Uh, six wins in a row heading into midweek. 
No losses on the season, no clean sheets, however, in three. And they've gone over two and a half in their last six. Both teams of scores played in six of seven. Tiago is the only lengthy absentee here. Looks like Trent Alexander-Arnold is set to make his return. Head-to-head, there was that dramatic 4-3 victory uh, for Liverpool at Anfield last season. Remember, Richarlison, D plus three, was done. And then all of a sudden, Jota scores 90 plus four. It was wild the way it played out. Uh, Liverpool haven't lost to Spurs in 12. Get this, Spurs haven't had a clean sheet against Liverpool in 17. (sighs) Wow. Liverpool, no clean sheet against Spurs in six. And they've gone over two and a half in five of six. Both teams to score in six of six. Um, my eyes immediately goes to the goal total. I've already locked in a play there. Uh, have you done the same? Yeah, I've. Uh, I think every man and his dog's going to be going for the overs in this game. Um, I don't. I'd, I wouldn't put anyone off it either. I, I probably would back a higher line. Maybe maybe take three and a half rather than three and a quarter. Um, yeah, I'd be shocked if this doesn't have goals. Uh, two teams that are, are really on form in attack, both creating loads of chances. Tottenham at 2.1 XG, Liverpool at 2.5 XG per game. Um, but both have looked vulnerable defensively. As you mentioned, Liverpool not kept a clean sheet in three. 1.3 expected goals against per game in the Prem. Spurs at 1.6. So you've got two teams that create an abundance of chances, but also because they play such attack-minded football, do leave um, plenty of gaps to be exploited. And yeah, just looking from a Tottenham perspective, the two matches so far against, you know, the two better teams they've played, Manchester United and Arsenal, obviously they've won uh, won one, drawn one, scored twice in both. But both matches have been ridiculously even in terms of XG. So against United, it was 2.5 to 2.5. And against Arsenal, it was 2.3 to 2.2. And, you know, basically the United game should have gone overs as well. So anybody who was on the overs... Very unfortunate not to get a winner there um, because, yeah, that was just about Manchester United Christian finishing. Romero, I still don't know half. why it wasn't a handball. Um, but, yeah. Well, you said on, why on the interrupt. intro. No one knows what no, a handball no is nowadays. Yeah. Um, I, I have yeah, no clue. Basically, basically, this is going to be an end-to-end tussle. We know that Postacoglu doesn't change his approach for anybody. So even if it is Liverpool or Man City coming to town, he's going to play in exactly the same manner. They're going to play... You know, high squeeze. They're going to try and overload at the top end of the pitch and leave gaps. And we know Liverpool can play in a variety of different ways. They can counter attack. Um, one of the best counter attacking teams in Europe. They can obviously they've brought in players now like McAllister who can you know split the lines with a single pass. Uh, and I think that he'll be really crucial in this match, given that Spurs like to swarm at the top end of the pitch. I think he'll be able to put Liverpool in a fast transition very quickly. Um, so yeah, I think this is going to be. Cracking game of football. Again, I'm just so happy it's on telly over here because, you know, the last couple of weeks we've been really starved of good television football. So yeah, one one and a half unit for me on that one. One and a half unit. Well, I'm the same. I already locked it in. You can find it on Pinnacle at the time of recording at minus 117. I locked it in at minus 116. So a slightly better number. I jumped on this one and a half units. It's probably both our favorite play of the week. Like again, if it goes against the grain, you just lick your wounds and, and you move on. But the style of play that, that, that both teams play and their ability to score goals is what makes them very good. And they're being rewarded for outstanding attacking play. An interesting number on the Spurs goal total in that game over a goal and a half at plus 103. I wouldn't 
talk you out of making a play like that. I'm a little bit reluctant to make the play right now because James Madison picked up a little bit of a knock. How good has he been, by the way? One of the signings of the se- early signings of the season. Um, but I haven't really seen an official word. It sounds like he's okay, but you're just not quite sure as of the moment of recording. So that's a number I'll keep an eye on at a plus number. If, if, if you like the over, if you like goals in this game, Liverpool away aren't the team that they are at home. They're just, they're just simply not. Um, so I, I, I was kind of trying to convince myself that just a, a Spurs play against the handicap, you're getting plus 0.25 at minus 104. I was, I'm I'm not brave enough to make that because I really rate this Liverpool side, but again, it's something I'll be keeping my eye on ahead of kickoff. Anything else to add about this game here, Jake? Uh, no, I I would be leaning towards Liverpool if I was going to have a, a a pick in that. I just think that the game dynamics and the the tactics with which Postecoglou plays, I think they're well suited to be, you know, well exploited by a very good Liverpool team um, who are pretty much at full strength. So, yeah. I might, I might have a smaller play on Liverpool to win and both teams to score closer to kickoff, depending on team news, um, depending on what we see. I, you know, I, Joe Gomez has been doing a really good job at right back for Liverpool <coughs> in terms of making them a little bit, um, you know, difficult to create down that side. Obviously, you lose the creativity in, in attack with no trend. So it'd be interesting to see, especially against Spurs and the way in which they like to play whether Klopp maybe just holds Trent back another week um, and you know gives him another another 90 minutes rest and recovery and plays him in, in Europa to get some minutes in under him, just because Gomez has been doing a really good job and, and they looked a fairly settled back line last week, um, which was really impressive against a, you know, a West Ham team that had been cooking. See, again, I, th- I thought that they were going to keep him out of the cup and play him on the weekend. I, I didn't even write down who Liverpool plays in the Europa League. It's like... Union Saint-Gilois. Okay. Okay. Out of Belgium. I, it's uh, Alexis McAllister's brother plays for them. Right. 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 That's the only reason I know that. Just I a doubt. random fact. Uh, <laughs> the only other McAllister I think of is Kevin McAllister, the lovable Well, kid. he's actually called Kevin. Yes, I know. That's why, that's why. And it always just makes me think of Home Alone. Kevin McAllister. Exactly. Yeah. Culkin, so, yeah. Um, so there you go. Uh, Hopefully he are- plays football better than Macaulay Culkin. If not, you'll just go like this. Ah! <laughs> if you're just listening, it's just the hands to the cheeks. So that should be his reaction whenever they concede. Just ah! <laughs> hands on the cheeks. Or his goal, goal celebration, one or the other. Right, right. Uh, let's move it forward to a game that we might not see very many goals, if any goals at all. It's Monday Night Football and the West London Derby. It's Fulham and it's Chelsea. Fulham coming off the nil-nil, of, I guess, performance, struggle against Crystal Palace. Uh, there wasn't an expected goal between the two teams in that game, by the way. It tells a big story about how that game went. They played Norwich at home in the Carabao Cup on Wednesday. Then they're home against Chelsea and Sheffield United back-to-back, which uh, Marco Silva is probably thinking, this is a good little run of fixtures for us to get something out of. However, Fulham, I know that Jake doesn't rate the Cottagers, but they're bottom five in XG and expected goals against. And that's probably a big reason why he doesn't really like Fulham and what they're doing. But perhaps they're, you know, less than great play 
pales in comparison to Chelsea because they lost 1-0 at home to Aston Villa. Gusto got sent off. They have, however, been on the right side of the expected goals every game this season. The only other side that can say that is Manchester City. However, Chelsea only has one win, five goals from an XG of almost 12. It's 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 remarkable. Only Luton Town and Burnley, by the way, have fewer goals scored on the season than Chelsea. No wins in three before their midweek fixture. No goals in their last three. Uh, some of the numbers are just remarkable when it comes to this Chelsea side. They have the second highest number of touches in the opposition box, yet they can't score. This is the first time that Chelsea have won just one of their opening six games in a Premier League season since 2000-2001. They've suffered three defeats in their first six games for the first time since 15-16. In their past 38 Premier League games, so if you track it back over a full season, they've won just nine games overall. And since Graham Potter was sacked on April 2nd, and they weren't playing well under Potter either, but Chelsea won just twice in 16 Premier League games over that span, picking up 11 points total in the process. They also have 11 players unavailable for this game with Gusto suspended and Nicholas Jackson suspended. He's picking up more cards than he's scoring goals. It's just absolutely futile what this Chelsea team looks like under Pochettino. And it's not all of his fault. He doesn't have the personnel, not the depth. Um, some real problems within this Chelsea side. Head-to-head, Fulham won this fixture 2-1 last season. And the under the under is played in two and a half and four and five. Can, can you plug your nose here and make a play, Jake? Because I'm not sure you're really enthusiastic about either side. Although the data, the way Chelsea's playing indicates they should be better than they actually are. What do you make of this? Um. Yeah, I. This is this is an interesting game to kind of decipher because you've got one team that the data likes the look of, but are performing really poorly, and you've got one team the data doesn't like that are performing well based on results. But I've just done a little bit of digging, and I think I'm coming round to the idea that Fulham have slowly improved as the seasons progressed. Um. Because I just rather than looking at expected goals, because the ex, obviously the performance against Palace was a good one, but if you look at just the shots that they've conceded, they conceded 19 shots in their opener against Everton, 17 against Brentford, 19 against Arsenal. And then ever since then, they've conceded seven against City, seven against Luton and seven against Palace. So they're reducing the amount of numbers, the amount of shots that they're facing, which is obviously going to help in the long run in terms of um, your expected goal figures. Uh, I'm not sure what, what Marco Silva's done tactically, whether he's kind of, I'm going to have to have a look, whether he's kind of just tried to rein them in a little bit and stop being as gung-ho in terms of their approach. But whatever he's doing, it, it is working. Um, and they are becoming a little bit more difficult to create chances against. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking at the under two and a half line here uh, at minus 102 and thinking that that's a value play based on the fact that Fulham are looking much better defensively. Their attack has dried up a little bit as a result of that. So they've only scored twice in the last three games. Um, and as you mentioned there, Chelsea just numerous injuries, numerous suspensions, really struggling to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, you know, you do wonder if they had a proper striker uh, who, you know, who could really finish. Maybe Unkunku was supposed to be that guy that was going to, you know, be at the top end of the pitch, finishing the chances. But, um, 
Yeah, you know, I said it last week. Chelsea's underlying numbers on paper are really good, but they've also had a very kind schedule to start. Um, you know, apart from the Liverpool game, West Ham, Luton, Forest, Bournemouth, Villa, and I've, I know Villa are a good side, but playing Villa at home, they went off as odds-on favourites to win that game, suggests that the, the, that the market thinks that Chelsea are a better team than Villa at a neutral venue. Um, so, yeah, they, they're going to have decent underlying numbers against that schedule, boosted by a Luton um comfortable victory but yeah like I'm just I'm struggling to to see any positives from Chelsea whatsoever whatsoever like the, the defensive figures were looking okay at one point then they've started to to loosen up a little bit conceding a few good chances um and yeah the, the attack is just the main kind of issue like apart from the looting game they've really struggled to create good opportunities and that definitely has me leading towards the under. So I'm going to do a full unit play on under two and a half goals, which is at minus 102. Just double check that. Yeah, minus 102. I, I don't blame you. I was eyeing that. Instead, I'm going Fulham on the handicap back-to-back week. Served me well last week. Um, plus half a goal at minus was, 118. Yeah, that, because yeah, I, I've got... Go, go ahead. I had I had I had those two plays written down. I was it was a toss up between the two. So, um, so yeah, who's who's yeah. playing? It's just it, it's it's not the the way that Chelsea are playing. Fine, and, and and we stated the case very clearly. But who's playing up top? It's like some of their purchases just didn't make any sense to me. Cole Palmer, why spend that money on Cole Palmer when you clearly needed? Another potential number nine. This is after Nkuku went out through injury. You knew it was going to be a long-term absentee. So Jackson comes out. Who plays up top? Mudrick, Sterling, and what? I what exa- I, I just Broja back. Bro, he just came Demando back into Broca? the team. He yeah. just came back in the team. He he came off the bench last weekend. Can he play ninety yeah, minutes? He might start in midweek then. There, well, it might start. But what does that mean for the weekend? Like what? I I just think that they have oh, some no, real yeah. issues in attack. So oh, personnel, absolutely, uh, yeah, personnel issues. And the personnel wise, and, and who's going to play right back? Because Goose is out, Reese James is out, suspended. I mean, who's playing there? Chilwell, is Raheem well, Sterling, get it right wing back. <laughs> or maybe maybe there's a change in form. It's just a mess. It's like personnel wise, it's a mess. I'll back Fulham, and they're stable. They're stable at center back. Polina in the midfield. I think they they do have a little bit of edge to them. It's just whether they can go and score enough goals. I, I think the underplay is fine. I just prefer Fulham on the handicap. They, they could win outright here, and it wouldn't surprise me. Um, well, all the attention in the early weeks of the season was on Manchester United and chaos, which I never bought. It's Chelsea is chaos. They are chaos. You can't back them. I'm not backing them. I don't care what the data says. Fulham on the handicap in this game. Uh, should be a great yeah, did you, um, I'm intrigued. It's Monday Night Football, big audience. It's going to be great to watch just because seeing how this plays out, right? Um, it's, it's in the West London Derby. It should be great. Yeah. Can you, can you believe that a team that's won seven times in 35 games this calendar year are priced at just above even money? To it's win reput- anywhere, it's reputation. Like th- that's why we we it was our favorite it's bet crazy. last week. Villa against Villa against 
Chelsea on the handicap. It was like a layup, it seemed, and it ended Absolutely, up playing yeah. away, thankfully. And I, I just don't get it. Like the shine is not on Chelsea anymore. I know some of their players are very good. The 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 Caicedos and and the Enzos and, and the Tiago still, I, I get that. But the way the team plays and the fact that so many critical pieces for the team to actually play the way that they want to play are out. Um, right now, you can't back them. So I'm not I'm staying away from Chelsea. Uh, let's go rapid fire for the rest. 3 p.m. Saturday, 16th place Wolves hosting top of the table Man City. I mean, things just continue to get worse and worse for Wolves. They lost in uh, the Carabao Cup to Ipswich Town. I know City's playing midweek and Pep's complaining that they couldn't get a flight back from Newcastle Wednesday night. They're going to have to coach it. I think they could ride their bikes to Wolves this weekend and come away with the results. So, <laughs> is That's there, a good is line. There, I like is, that. There, is, there a bet to be, is there a bet to be made here? Um. Now you've said that, it's got me leaning towards the handicap. But um, <laughs> no, I I got this down as I got this down as a no bet, um, just because of the midweek. I know it's, it's Wolves, absolutely, but Man City have got a few issues injury wise. Um, yeah, one and a half goal at Wolves minus one oh four. Yeah, I'm gonna do a unit on that. Screw it. It's flipping Man, it's Man City Wolves, playing Wolves. Wolves are. I, I pegged them for relegation to start the season. I'm not backing that market because I just look at this Wolves team and like, which one of their attacking players, take your pick, is going to break down this back line, even if there is some rotation. Stones looks like he's ready to come back into this team. But Kovacic is coming back. Bernardo looks like he's close, if not coming back. Both teams to score no plus a city win. Uh, that's what I'm backing. At plus 134. So City to win with a clean sheet at plus 134. That's a full unit play. I just, I know City's conceded some goals, but they're back. They still have the, the best expected goals against in the Premier League. Let me just check. I wrote this down. I think I've already locked in this bet, by the way, at plus 134. Yeah, the price is the same, Let plus me, 133. Is it? Okay. That's, yeah, that's, that's my play. So, yeah. You're going to stay with the handicap. handicap. Can I tell you that much? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I do think that they they will probably keep a clean sheet. Um, I do like if you look at their their team and the squad, the rotation is actually strongest at the back end of the pitch. So, you know, at Newcastle, they've got you know, probably going to see. I don't know. Ake is going to come in. Stones might get a start. He's coming back from an injury. Um, a Kanji, and then obviously at the weekend you'll see Guardiol, you'll see Ruben Diaz, you'll see Kyle Walker. Um, so they're very strong at the end, but back end of the pitch. The only reason why I'm hesitant about the Winter Nil is you've got no Rodri because he got sent off last week. Yeah. And I think he's more important to Manchester City than many people believe. So I'm going to take them just to, to outscore Wolves basically by a couple of goals. Um, ha- hashtag Calvin Phillips season. I can't, you don't I can't, like Calvin Phillips, I, don't you? I, I, I can't say it with a straight face, but Kovacic is coming back and he can provide some of the legs. He's, I know he doesn't play the same role as Rodri, but come on, this Wolves team is just do- absolute dog's breakfast. This one, this next game, I think there's going to be some intrigue also 3 p.m. Saturday. 17th place Bournemouth taking on fifth place Arsenal. The reason why I say this, 
Arsenal all of a sudden have a number of injury concerns or worries. Martinelli, Rice, Trossard, potentially Saka as well. I mean, these are critical pieces to this Arsenal side. Tyler Adams coming in, he's going to be able to play for the first time for Bournemouth as well. Uh, what do you think about this one? I don't think it's as straightforward as it should be if everyone on Arsenal was fit and firing. What do you make of this? Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be straightforward. But then again, Arsenal away matches are never straightforward. Um, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, when uh, I went head to head with you against Everton, they are very low score in Arsenal away matches. Um, 12 of the last 21 away games in the Premier League have gone under 2.5 goals. So 57% strike rate. Under three, which is the bet I'm going to take. Um, that's where the line is currently set. Plus 101 for under three goals. That's actually paid out as a winner 12 times and it's only lost six times. So you've had a push in five other games. So you've made a, a hefty profit playing Arsenal under three in every away matches. As you mentioned, injuries are piling up. Um, for Arsenal. They have kept two clean sheets in two away games this season against Crystal Palace and Everton teams, probably in and around Bournemouth's um, you know, quality. Combined 1.4 expected goals against in those games. Um, and interestingly, Bournemouth, I think many people went into the season thinking they were going to be a really high-scoring team under Iriola, but it's been quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. They've kept, especially at home, they've been very low-scoring. 1-1, 2-0, 0-0. Uh, average just 1.1 expected goals for per home game so far this season. So they've really struggled to create chances at the vitality. Um, and yeah, I think this is going to be one of those classic games where Arsenal are going to be in total control and either nick a 1-0 win or lose 1-0. Uh, it's going to be one of those. Yep. And, and, and that's why I'm backing Bournemouth on the handicap, a full goal. So Bournemouth on the handicap plus one at plus 108. Because I do think they can keep it close. You mentioned it. Only three goals conceded at home. And three other London sides found it difficult going down to the Vitality. West Ham, Spurs, and Chelsea. And Arsenal, with these issues, the fact they play at long in the uh, Champions League next week. Then they have City at home. And they're playing Brentford midweek in the Carabao Cup. I mean... Um, it's tricky with these injuries and their depth is really going to be tested here. So um, give me Bournemouth on the, on, on the spread here. If Arsenal do win by a goal, which could play out that way, um, wouldn't put it past them, then you're, you, you get your money back. So Bournemouth plus one at plus 108, a full unit play. Also 3 p.m. Saturday. It's a big 3 p.m. Saturday, old school. Let's call it an old school weekend in the Premier League. Seventh place West Ham against 20th place Sheffield United. How does Sheffield United bounce back from an 8-0 defeat at home to Newcastle last week? Um, that is a very good question because we knew that they were a bad team before the season started. I didn't realise they were that bad. Um, there was no signs of it coming either because the games have been very close scoreline they'd only been beaten by a single goal in quite a lot of the games so to get hit for eight is is crazy really um yeah West Ham they kind of found their level last week against Liverpool they had a good start to the season but not good enough um as, as a team to kind of compete um the last two games actually City and Liverpool have been well handled conceded loads of chances in both just yeah it, it's a case of how will Sheffield United you know, set up after such a demolition. Uh, I did a bit of digging 
into previous silly results, um, you know, see how they fared the following game. Um, after Man United got beat 7-0 by Liverpool last year, they drew 0-0 the following game. Um, where else are we? Man City beat Watford 8-0. They lost, Watford lost 2-0 the following game, so that went under. Uh, Villa got beat 8-0 in 2012 by Chelsea. They followed that up with a 4-0 and a 3-0 defeat, so they had a bad couple of games. Wigan lost 9-1 to Spurs in 2009 and followed that up with a 1-0 win. Leicester beat Southampton 9-0. Uh, Southampton went 2-1 defeat to Man City the following following game, which probably is a decent result. Um, and then after getting beat 9-0 by Manchester United, Southampton lost 3-2 to Newcastle. Bournemouth last season lost 9-0 um, at Liverpool. They followed that with a 0-0 draw. So in general, we do see from a historic historical precedence that the teams that get absolutely hammered are more likely to go with go towards the under the following following game. And, and I do think that the only caveats to that is that Villa in 2012 were really bad and Southampton are generally quite a front-footed team or were under Ralph Hasenhutl, which is probably why they went on uh, over the following two games. So yeah, I reckon we're going to see Sheffield United park the bus at West Ham, try and avoid any more embar- embarrassment. Um, and I'm going to take the unders, which is under 2.75. And it's a quite a big price, actually, plus 107. Yeah, it is. Um, which is going to be a full unit play for me. They're begging you to take West Ham and or the unders in this game. <sighs> Look, I, I, I appreciate all the data, all the history that Sheffield United might want to go and park the bus. bus the, the fact of the matter is these two sides have the highest expected goals against in the, in the Premier League. Um, West Ham gave up all kinds yeah, of... West Ham... I, I, I get it, but they haven't had a clean yeah. sheet in 10 games in all competitions dating back to last season. West Ham have played to the over two and a half in their last six games. Both teams to score in seven of seven. Is this the game that they, that, that, that trend, you know, is thrown off? And, and I mean, Sheffield United, I mean, they're awful. And nine players are, are injured or out through suspension as well. I'm just staying away. It's a no bet for me. I, I think that you're on the right side of things, Jake. I, I, I really do. But I can't trust. I can't trust that this game will stay under. I just can't. I just, I, I'm staying away. I don't want anything to do with this game. That's saying something because I love having plays at this one. No, thank you. Not touching it. Um, we're a little bit heavy. So let's get through these final two games. 3 p.m. Saturday, 15th place Everton, 18th place Luton Town. Do you have a play in this game? No, no bet for me. Um, Everton's price has, has come in drastically, hasn't it, after the, the win at Brentford? Um, probably a little bit too much, so I'm just going to swerve that one completely. I have a half bet over two and a half goals at plus 103. That's because only Chelsea has a bigger discrepancy in XG and actual goals scored at 5.75. Uh, Everton haven't... They've created all kinds of chances this season, and you're hoping that last week might kind of start realizing this team's actual attacking potential. Lutontown at the same time, they have the third highest discrepancy between XG and goals scored at 5.07, but they've only scored three times. So perhaps this is a week where, you know, the stars align and the ball starts ending up in the back of the net. So just a half play over two and a half goals at plus 103. 
Finally, the, the lone fixture on Sunday, it's at 2 p.m., 12th place Nottingham Forest against 13th place Brentford. Injuries have become a big concern. You know how much I like Brentford, but Rico Henry, Ashada, De Silva, Baptiste, Ben Me, all look to be on the shelf. That's a significant number of ish injuries. And Ivan Tony obviously not playing through suspension on top of it all. It makes Brentford very difficult to back. Do you have a play for this game? Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, do we start looking at Brentford as a relegation contender? Maybe. Um, the run of form's not great. I mean, I still think they're, they're much better than the teams down there, but <clears throat> the underlying data suggests so as well. But they are getting to a, a run that could spiral quite quickly. Um, yeah, I, I had Forest plus uh, plus Noughts, a draw no bet, down with a question mark. I don't know if I trust Forrest enough to be able to pull the trigger on that. Uh, I will have a play because the total is too low for me at 2.25 uh, minus 113. I'll take the overs in this one because Brentford, I mean, a lot of their injuries come at the back. Like they, I just don't think they can keep a clean sheet. And although, you know, they do have problems in team selection, their attacking duo up top has not been the problem. And Bomo and Wisa, they they both played really, really well. I just don't think you can trust them from a defensive perspective. Might be a good game for Nottingham Forest to, to, to start scoring some goals. They have the third worst expected goals on the season. Um, but I think there's too much attacking talent in that side for that to stay that way. So let's go over 2.25. If there's two goals in this game, it's a half loss. Uh, let, let's go a full unit play on the over. Does that total seem a little bit low to you? 2.25 for these two teams? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I, I, Forest are generally quite a low margin team, but as you mentioned, Brentford have kind of been playing with a handbrake off for a while now um, and have been much more offensive in their approach. And while a lot of goals have been scored in their games so far this season, you know, they've had a you know, two, a couple of two twos, a three nil, and a three one. So, I wouldn't be surprised to see three goals. Um, and obviously, the benefit of playing two and a quarter is that you get half your money back if it's exactly two. Yeah, I wouldn't generally make a play here, um, but the numbers dictating for me to make a play. I like that number, so let's take the overs in that game. So that's our slate. Ten bets for me this week, including two in the Brighton Aston Villa game. How many bets did you? Decide to go with Jake. Seven bets for me. Um, I've got. I think. I think we both. No, I've. I, I've got one and a half units in the overs in both Villa and Spurs. Um, so yeah, what's that? Six, five, eight, eight points in total. Eight units in total across uh, seven bets. Good. Um, yeah, uh, th- those are the two confident picks for me. Just goals in those two games. Brilliant. One half bet for me, uh, but the one bet. Of one and a half units for the Spurs Liverpool total taking the over. That's my favorite bet of the week. Yours as well. Yep. Uh, either or the Spurs or the Villa over. Um, big fans. I'd be shocked if we if we saw nil nils in both those. And you know, I might I might just have a little, you know, just a little play around 0.05 units on nil nil just 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 in case um but no i won't i'll be back in the overs quite heavily brilliant uh a reminder this is 25 years of pinnacle as we celebrate here providing the best lines in market they've done some really cool stuff on social media comparing their numbers to the competitors and that's inevitably 
over the long haul where you're going to find profit in finding the best numbers. And they, Pinnacle does have the best numbers in market as well. Plenty of contact on Pinnacle, uh, content, I should say, on Pinnacle's websites pertaining to football betting, uh, NFL betting, and the Ryder Cups this weekend as well. Make sure you check out all the podcasts on Spotify. Everything's on YouTube as well. Wherever you get your podcast, you can find Pinnacle's podcast. Enjoy the football this weekend. Enjoy the golf as well as... I, I got Europe on a good number at plus 112. So um, for at least this weekend, I'm strictly European. So there you go. The accent might not suggest it, but my bank account and who I'm backing absolutely does. So go on Rombo, go on McElroy and company. I'm looking for a big return this weekend. This isn't the Ryder Cup podcast, by the way. You can find that on Pinnacle. Jake, good stuff this week as always. Thanks for this. Cheers. We'll... Uh speak in a few weeks and if i run the table again this week i might have to be the new mr perfect we might have to play the music and fingers crossed <laughs> i thought you were going to say i might have to retire and go by an island in the bahamas or something <laughs> i don't have oscar thorpe type bankroll uh in my accounts but uh <laughs> hey i'm moving in the right direction and let's hope for another great week and Best of luck to you listening out there at Jake Oz, at Gareth Wheeler. This has been EPL Insights for Game Week 7 in the Premier League.